It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, what's happening, everybody? And welcome as we get ready for the San Jose Sharks to take on the Seattle Kraken tonight at 7.30 from SAP Center. I've got a great interview right here with Curtis Pichelka. I don't want to miss any of it, so here it is. All right, we are now joined on the Sharks Audio Network by Curtis Pichelka, who covers the Sharks for Bay Area News Group. Curtis, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Good, Ted. How are you? Not doing pretty well and just looking forward to the Sharks uh, getting these two final games in before they do head into the all-star break, which uh, even if the Sharks have been winning a little bit more often as of late, uh, injuries still taking their toll, and it seems like they do need some time to get healthy, and the, the break should um, provide them that opportunity. Uh, but before we get into the uh, immediate Sharks uh, issues at hand, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, some of the things that were said by uh, Mike Greer um, talking about where things are now with the franchise and, you know, he discussed timelines maybe a little bit more um, extensively than he has in the past. What was your what was your overall reaction? Well, I, I think the Sharks are, are pretty optimistic about their future. They, you know, I think they, they feel that, you know, a lot of the groundwork is a lot of the foundation's been been put in place here. Now it's a matter of uh, trying to follow through with some of their steps that they have in mind. I mean, Mike was pretty honest. Uh, you know, he says he doesn't think there's maybe this team will be competitive for maybe another two or three years or be in a position where it could compete for a for a playoff spot. So um, and, uh, you know, it was saying, you know, it wouldn't hurt to to win a lottery uh, along the way too, with the with the ping pong balls going in the Sharks favor here. So. Uh, so, so he has a certain plan in mind. He doesn't want to skip any steps. And, you know, I think he was just trying to make it, people understand sort of where they are right now and they don't want a, a quick fix. They want, they want to build something that's, uh, going to be sustainable for the long haul. And, you know, I think, I think so far, uh, Mike has, uh, you know, been, uh, kind of done what he said he's going to do so far. So, uh, we'll see what the next, uh, year or two looks like, but I think, I think the Sharks, uh, like where they're at right now in terms of where they see themselves uh, in two or three years' time. I remember back in, I guess that was early December when the Sharks were on the road and going up against New Jersey, you put out a tweet that specifically talked about the number of um, number ones, top fives, and top ten picks that were out there on the ice at the same time. And I, and I have to imagine that that's probably what Mike Greer is envisioning as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look. You've you've, you've already kind of got some guys uh, in the pipeline who figure to be in the NHL within the next couple of years or two or three years. Uh, you know, you go ahead and and you add a uh, maybe two two more first round picks this year, potentially number one overall with Macklin Celebrini, and another first round pick potentially with from the got from the from the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eric Carlson deal. Uh, interesting thing about that New Jersey team, though, is that they've got a 
they've got high draft picks all over the play all over the place, but uh, they still don't have a, a, maybe a long-term goalie. So that's that's going to be part of the Sharks' issue as well, is who's going to play net for this team uh, when when they're ready to sort of emerge from this rebuild. Is it going to be a Blackwood? Could it be someone in the in the, uh, in the the American League right now or, or someone else entirely? So that's going to be a big part of this rebuild, I think, is just finding the right netminder to sort of get you over the hump and get you to where you, you want to be here in a few years. It is interesting to watch right now, though, that the Sharks probably have as good of a goalie tandem as they've had in quite some time. I mean, you watch, you know, Blackwood and Capo. Not exactly. Um, I'll put it this way: they aren't the issue. They have not, there have been games where they've been less than perfect, but I'm usually more focused on the defensive breakdowns that are happening in front of them, as opposed to some of the things that we saw last year with James Reimer or previously with Martin Jones towards the end of his tenure with San Jose. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and this is a this is a defense core that's uh, in transition right now. You look at some of the guys they have. You know, are twenty two, twenty three, twenty four years old. Um, you know, it's really sort of hard to 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 be at your best at that position until you've gotten you know one hundred fifty, two hundred NHL games under your belt uh, before you can sort of re- really start to evaluate these guys. So. It's a tough, you know, it's a tough uh, spot to be in for some of those for those for those goalies. But uh, like you like you said, they've they've done a really really good job here uh, throughout the season, staying positive. I think I think Thomas Spear has a lot to do with with that in terms of uh, getting Kapo Kakinen's uh, game back to where he it should be, and and uh, he and uh, Mackenzie Blackwood have also seemed to to mesh pretty well here. So uh, the coaching staff does a lot of, deserves a lot of credit and. Uh, those two goalies that deserve a lot of credit too for how much they've, how hard they've worked uh, uh, this season uh, to get there, uh, to get to where they need to be. Bringing the Devils back into this, we often look at that trade with Timo Meyer, and I am still surprised by the lack of productivity he's had since going there. And I, you know, I, that's relatively inexplicable to me because Timo Meyer was one of the prototype power forwards for the modern NHL for so long with San Jose. Um, but when we look at that trade now, I mean, Fabian Zetterland is on pace for 20-plus goals this year. He could go 25, maybe higher. And I think if you put him on a better team, he could probably be in a 25 to 30 range guy. I mean, obviously, the Sharks, someone's going to score the goals, and Fabian seems to be getting looks. But he's a, a, a player, it looks like. And then you look at the draft picks that were acquired from that. And we got our first look at Shakir Mukhamadoulin the other night. And, uh, that, you know, that... Seems to be some pretty good work by by Mike Greer as a trade, but then you know just your thoughts as you know um, as a you know Shakir was kind of the centerpiece as well as the draft picks, but to watch Fabian Zetterlin kind of emerge as as a pretty decent forward here in the NHL. Yeah, for sure, and I think that's uh, was the key to that trade really because Mike Greer uh, had offers on the table uh, for basically mostly draft mainly draft picks as far as. Uh, uh, from other teams um, in, in, in exchange for for Timo Meyer, but I think Mike and and the Sharks front office were uh, wanted to get a couple of players or, or at least uh, two or three players who could sort of fit into the lineup uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, instead of waiting for a draft pick to sort of mature over two or three years' time, you, you've got guys now you can sort of plug into your system right away and and uh, help. Uh, sort of sort of help speed up this this rebuilding process along a little bit so that was a that was certainly a big key as Zetterland is 
you know, he's been he's been terrific really almost from almost from day one. I think he finds out or I think he's found out what he needs to be at this level, what his game needs to look like. And, you know, certainly he's only 23, 24 years old. So it's not it's not like he was a he's a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. He's a guy who's gonna have to continue to work uh to improve himself. But uh anytime you get a guy who kind of fits into your your top six or your middle six and and uh still be a young guy who's got a long room to grow. I think the Sharks are pretty excited about that. And, you know, certainly Muka Madulin is, is someone the Sharks are, are very excited about. Uh, there's no rush with him. Uh, you can, we'll see how he does here over these next few games, as long as, you know, guys like Thrun and Mary Farrar are, are unavailable. But uh, for now, he's getting a taste. And, um, you know, I think the Sharks are excited about what they see in him and, you know, not not to mention a guy like uh, Quentin Musty. You've got uh, marinating in the interior hockey league right now, who mm-hmm. you know figures to be a, a pretty good pro here uh, at some point too. So, so yeah, when you look at that trade, you give it some time to evaluate it. Uh, it certainly looks like Mike Greer did uh, did what he wanted to do in terms of getting assets back for for Timo Meyer. What did you think of Shakir the other night? I mean, I. I saw a couple plays where he maybe was a little bit caught off guard. There was one where he kind of kicked at the puck at the blue line and whiffed on it. Um, and then another couple little moments, but I, you know, it was not, there was nothing glaring. Granted, I was watching off the TV broadcast. So it's a little bit different than just being able to focus on him um, being at the rink. But uh, you know, I didn't see anything but a lot of promise from my vantage point. But like I said, I was only, you know, that's the problem with being at the NBC studios is you, you follow the puck. You can't just focus on one player for a few shifts. Yeah, I mean, you certainly see like the skill set that that he has, and what what why people are so excited about him. Um, you know, I think it was it was a it was a good debut. I you know, like you said, there were some there were some hiccups here and there uh, in terms of his play. I think the speed of the league is is something everyone has to get adjusted to when they get to this level. Uh, and I think he I think he gradually improved as the game wore on. And I think I think that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard a lot of people say about Shakir is that. Uh, he's a quick learner. It doesn't take him a long time to sort of get adjusted. He, he'll make some mistakes, but he'll he'll learn from them and, and grow from them. And, you know, if he could be a guy that the Sharks uh, get into their lineup on a full-time basis next year, I think I think you'd have to be pretty happy with that. So uh, for now, he's getting an opportunity, um, you know, with uh, with a couple of guys being injured right now. And, and uh, you know, we'll see. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of tools there, but uh, it, it's just a matter of when it all starts to come together for him. It, we're we're looking at injuries to talk about the immediacy now with the uh, Sharks. It's unbelievable how much this team has been in, uh, hit by the injury bug. Um, and the latest is Tomas Hurdle missing tonight's game. Maybe a go for tomorrow night in Anaheim. Um, obviously they are dealing with Thrun, uh, and Mario Ferraro being out as well. I know Kyle Burroughs is now kind of en- entered that, uh, range. Um, I mean, it just, it seems like the hits keep on coming, but I, I suppose that now you get an opportunity to look at William Eklund, uh, lining up uh, at the center position tonight, which is, I-, I believe what he was perceived as when they initially drafted him. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely drafted as a, as a center and, you know, like a lot of young guys who come into the NHL, you got to maybe start off at the wing. I mean, Tomas Hurdle started on the wing, you know, when he first came into the league mm-hmm. at 19, 19 years old and got to play in a line with uh, with Joe Thornton and, and Brent Burns was a forward at that time as well. So that was a pretty formidable <laughs> uh, top line there, big boys there. So, uh, 
So yeah, I mean, this is it's, uh, this is sort of an audition tonight for for William Eckert to sort of get a get a look at uh, what he might be uh, capable of as, as a centerman. Um, you know, when you look down the line, it's it doesn't hurt to have a guy who can play the middle uh, if necessary. I mean, they've had to rely on Luke Cunning here a little bit. You know, uh, when uh, when Couture was out and when Granlin's been out. Um, you know, Luke Cunningham's kind of sort of been a guy that had to move in the middle, but I think I think David Quinn likes him more as a winger. Uh, and uh, you know, for for William Eklund, you know, it's you know he's comfortable playing this position. Uh, it's just a matter of sort of getting used to uh, what all the responsibilities are, especially at this at this level. I'm sure there's going to be some challenges along the way as long as he he does play center at uh, especially or if it's you know tonight and possibly tomorrow as well. So. Uh, you know, I think I think uh, it gives it gives the Sharks some options if they need it going forward, and maybe two or three years down the line, you do have a full time center on your hands, depending on whether personnel moves are are made at that point. So uh, so uh, it should be interesting to see how how he uh, how William sort of uh, does tonight against a uh, uh, pretty quality Kraken team that's uh, that's desperate right now to sort of get back into playoff mix. What do you think about the future for Tomas Hurdle and in terms of what Mike Greer wants to do and what his own career aspirations are? Because I, it's been discussed, obviously, they talked about it before the season began. Mike Greer said that both Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle, you know, it would be um, a discussion that would happen later in the season. But now we are getting closer to that, that trade deadline. And I don't expect Hurdle to be traded at, at this deadline, but it is something that might, you know, pop up more in the offseason again. And you know, on the one hand, I understand from both Tomas Hurdle's perspective and Mike Greer's perspective that the timelines don't match up perfectly, but also at the same time, having a fan favorite around when your team is going through tough times as they are, that's not a bad thing either. No, exactly. Like I think I think with when, when some teams rebuild, you know, if it if you go completely scorched earth and you trade all your veterans and you know the kids are suddenly running the show, I don't know if that's that's necessarily a great thing for, for an organization. I think it's, you know, I, maybe Mike Greer has, has spoken to this, but at least from my perspective, it's it's valuable to have uh, a little Couture around. It's valuable to have uh, Tomas Hurdle around or even a guy like Mark Edward Velasic who's signed for a couple more years here. Just just sort of veterans to sort of stabilize things and, and help the young guys along. So um, I can certainly appreciate uh, Tomas Hurdle being someone who, wants to win sooner rather than later. Um, you know, he doesn't like that's that's sort of what Eric Carlson uh, uh, expressed last season. He doesn't really, uh, he's gotten a point in his career where uh, he doesn't want to be part of a, a rebuilding team for another two or three years. And you know, I, I think, I think Tomas Hurdle sort of coming at it from, from the same perspective. So, um, you know, if those guys get a chance to, you know, Tomas Hurdle and Mike Greer get a chance to talk this off season about, where things are headed and if there is a timeline that sort of fits with, uh, with Tomas hurdle and is he going to easy patient to, to stick it out for another uh, two or three years? Um, we'll see, um, you know, look mature. Well, another part of this too, is that, you know, the sharks uh, might have to retain some salary on, if on Logan's contract or on Tomas hurdles contract to sort of facilitate a deal and, you know, you've already kind of tied up two of those three spots that are available for retention mm-hmm. uh, on the Carlson trade and the Burt Burns trade. So there's only one more left. And and uh, so we'll see how the Sharks maybe try to utilize that 
going forward. But um, the timelines, we'll, we'll see if they sort of match up. If if uh, if the Sharks can be competitive again, maybe not next season, but perhaps the season afterward. And you know, Tomas Hurdle could be certainly be a guy who sort of uh, anchors your team at that time. And and Logan Couture as well sort of fits into that category. So it's very complicated. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens here. But I think uh, I, I think it's, it's just really valuable to have the, those two guys sort of uh, set the standard for your team and and uh, you know be a be those guys in the locker room to help when a Will Smith gets here or Philip Beestead gets here and you know those types of players who uh, you know probably need a little bit of help sort of getting through the rigors of the NHL uh, and it certainly would be nice from the Sharks perspective has the veterans around to uh, to help with that. I thought that when Mike Greer was asked about David Quinn, he very much purposefully gave him a vote of confidence and did not try and um, do anything other than that. And I, it's funny, Curtis, because I've had people come to me at, at certain points and say like, what's, you know, what's David Quinn doing? The team's losing, you know, why is he running five forwards on the power play? And I've kind of had the reaction of like, well, <laughs> what else do you expect him to do right now? <laughs> like this roster, I'm not here to, you know, take all the blame away from uh, David Quinn. You know, he's a coach, he's got a hand in all this too, but you know, it's, when there's an 11 game and 12 game losing streaks involved in one season, it would make a lot of sense to look in, at the coach, but I don't think anybody serious would look at this and point to David Quinn. Now, again, not to say that he doesn't have a hand in it. He's the coach obviously, but I, he, to, to me, he's low on my list of issues. Yeah. And I think, I think Mike Greer is realistic about where the sharks are at right now as a, as an organization. And, and uh, you know, the, he you know he has a lot of respect for Quinn as far as his communication level, uh, working with young guys, uh, holding players accountable when need when need be. So uh, he, he's a certainly like you said. I mean, everyone's got a hand in this. I mean, it's not like the coaching staff is completely, uh, uh, you know, uh, can just say they oh, hey it's just the roster I can't do anything. Like everyone's everyone has to be accountable to some degree. So, but I think there's also a patience there, uh, knowing that. Uh, uh, you know, David Quinn, if given a good roster, could probably have a more competitive team on his hands. So, uh, you know, right now you're evaluating the Sharks just about how, are they, how hard they compete, like their work ethic. Are they uh, doing what they can to, to win games in a night-in, night-out basis? And, you know, for the most part, I think this team has competed hard this year. Certainly there's been some some hiccups and, and uh, some really tough, some tough games from their perspective. But, uh you know, at least for um, you know, for the time being, I think everyone kind of appreciates what the what the situation the Sharks are in right now, and maybe it's more fair to to judge David, uh, you know, when this team gets when this roster starts to fill out a little bit uh, and go from there. That said, you know, he's going into the final year of his contract. David Quinn is uh, next season, and so there's a decision that has to be made from the front office's perspective of whether. Where do they keep David uh, beyond that, or or go in a different direction? So, uh, you know, a lot. This when you're in a rebuild like the Sharks are, there's certain there's a lot of things that are going to be in flux here, uh, both from the uh, roster standpoint and the uh, and the coaching staff and and the front office too, maybe. Curtis, I will let you go. Always a pleasure chatting it up, and I will see you at the tank in a few hours. All right. Sounds good, Ted. Thank you. Again, that was Curtis Pashelka, who covers the Sharks for Bay Area News Group, joining us on the Sharks Audio Network. We are just about out of time. Join 
Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda at 7 o'clock tonight for live pregame coverage. Go time 7.30 as the Sharks host the Kraken. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.